Tell me you're here to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see you, May. I thought you ran off and joined the circus. You said it was your calling. Well, Azula called a little louder. I have a mission, and I need you both. Count me in. Anything to get me out of this place. Welcome back to the Bitter Durs podcast. We are a queer Avatar The Last Airbender superfan podcast. I am Sam Stanish, and with me as always is my amazing and wonderful co-host, Derek Reining. Hello, yes. Um, we've all been tested for Pentapox here. Um, we're all staying safe. Uh, what's the meme island fun parentheses? Everyone here has been tested for COVID, blah, blah, blah. That's mm, yeah. us. Private yeah. island. Um, yeah, et cetera. <laughs> and so on. Uh, this week we are joined by a great friend of mine who is a writer and a comedian who I met in New York. Here with us today is Just Lunning. Hello, I'm Just Lunning of New York fame. Mm-hmm. Welcome Good to night, the show, Just. How are you doing Thanks. on this fine, fine evening? Thank you. I'm okay. I'm just quite sleepy. I've found like during whenever quarantine started, I've just been busier than before, which doesn't make any sense. But that seems like the game that everyone's doing. So it's fun. I feel good. Interesting. I have a new mug and I'm touching it. It's great. Uh, you guys can see it. No one else can. But you can nice mug. Mugs are great. I rest. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually I went into my office um, a couple months ago at this point, and I rescued the mug that was on my desk, and I have it here with me. Uh, so that's oh great for podcasting. <laughs> I don't have a mug. I could have lied and said I do, and they would have been none the wiser. But I'm the just the truth teller. Heard. Yeah. Uh, Jess, we're here today to talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender. What are what are your general thoughts, uh, re vis a vis ATLA? Uh, I think it's really good. I love the first season. I love all three seasons. I think the second one's very strong and very tight. I love that it gets each season gets shorter as you go on. And I, I think I have mixed feelings about the EU. Uh, mm. Just in general, I don't know if you guys have read it yet, but there's that book that just came out, and that's good, very good. The Kyoshi word, yeah, yeah, mm. it's very good. Uh, but I don't like the comics as much. The comics answered things that didn't want to be answered. <laughs> yeah, that's the general gist I've heard as well. I have not really interacted with anyone who's actually read the Kyoshi book yet. I need to. I tried to order it and then it never came, uh, which was oh. sort of a fun surprise for me. Uh, <laughs> but that's good to know. Just when did you get into Avatar? I got into Avatar, I think, right before came out so i think like 2010 mm-hmm. i want to say like after it had already ended it was on netflix for the first time or one of the streaming services and i binged it all in a in a week or so in a high school blur <laughs> nice uh so did you watch core alive then yeah i did watch core alive and i remember being really stressed out when it switched to like nick.com it's yeah. got too mature <laughs> something and i don't know it's just a very stressful season three and four <laughs> yeah i feel that <laughs> we lived it yes but we're all here we got through on the other side um stronger and better for it and now we can we have the privilege of watching core in its entirety on netflix and no yeah, one yes. will know if it's troubled past 
Yeah, sure. it was a great one-two punch because they announced that Avatar was coming to Netflix, and they must have known at that point that Korra would also be coming to Netflix. But like, they didn't say that Avatar and Korra would be coming to Netflix. So when Avatar came out, I feel like a lot of people just binged right through Avatar and were already done by the time they announced that Korra was coming to Netflix, which it's a great strategy. I'm glad. I'm glad more and more people in my life have the uh, language down on Avatar. I feel like it, I don't know. Like I, I feel like people obviously remember and knew about the show, but I feel like this time that it came on Netflix, people took to it, which I really love. For sure. Yes, it's been really nice seeing just like friends get into it. Uh, for the site I write for, we've had a lot of search traffic and just like avatar theories they've all been really cool to talk about there was this one really cool one a few weeks back about how every future avatar looks just just like someone the previous avatar loved like Korra looks like uh katara um frick i'm forgetting all the other avatar names but it's a pattern <laughs> i swear interesting i've never heard that i'll have to look that up yeah, I've I've seen that uh, online before. It's well, I think it's it's because it's like in it. They feel they feel like Aang has the same face. Uh, well, I guess I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but uh, it's sort of it's they, there's a through line that people talk about. Uh, yeah. So well, let's move into talking about the episode today. I remember. I mean, I feel like I remember watching this episode. Uh, back when I was little, and I remember really liking this episode, and I thought it was fun today. Yeah, it's um, inter- it's we've just now officially entered October as of the record- recording of this, and there's like some fun, like horror homages. I wouldn't call it, like a, a horror episode, um, but there's like the scene of like the people with the pentapox, which was very mm-hmm. zombie like, um, which I'm pretty sure even like there was like a Nick ad that was like it's Halloween time get ready for all those scary cartoons and they use like a that clip from avatar because <laughs> i mean there's a few episodes you could call horror episodes of the show um but it's like in general there's not like a teen titans level like this is a halloween episode uh you can use for our marketing um, yeah and i will and i, I mean uh, another because when Sokka comes out of that great he's like fully covered in goo he looks like a monster too yeah they even play like the uh theremin or whatever that instrument they use like in b movies for mm-hmm. like ufos and stuff it's great they do that a few times like when Sokka gets like the pentapox too he like does that little like zombie dead thing and when they're training all the people to look dead it's yeah. very fun <laughs> it is fun there's a guy with the peg leg he's had plenty of practice <laughs> this is a landmark episode in the series for me anyway i feel like i like because we get season two introduces like a lot of characters that like i feel like people watching the show would have expected to be in book one right like, where we got azula now and she gets her small elite team of may entirely like these are characters that like people know about i think if they like have heard of the show and like they are incredible additions to the cast and i'm very thrilled that they are part of the show now for sure um yeah i think it does a really good job of actually setting up fire nation people because of may's family as like empathetic outside of the royal family like these the governors and like that they're very relatable they're like oh we just want our children back and they can get along with them. They can even do like a trade. They can sacrifice the Fire Nation's goal. And I don't think we've we had seen that really before 
this point. Everyone's been very imperialistic, very like war focused between Zhao and Zuko, other than Iroh. Iroh's always been chill. But yeah, it's yeah, I can only like Zhang Zhang, but and his group, but they were like deserters, so they weren't really with the yeah. Fire Nation anymore. Um, so yeah, yeah, I agree. This is definitely like a rounding out of Fire Nation culture, and um, like you said, May, but also Tai Li, I feel like is just a character we want. Like, I mean, we haven't seen a character like her in the show at all, but like specifically, mm-hmm. you would not expect the peppy, happy girl dressed in pink to be part of the quote unquote bad group. Yeah, I mean, and then there's even like the the circus master he's like oh he's just a small business owner yeah. he has and he happens to be in the fire nation he has no business in this war thing he's initially concerned for his employees he's like we need the net there but then he like yeah. instantly caves when she asks him to set it on fire so yeah, well it's a pretty scary girl it's true <laughs> yeah um that's definitely a good yeah that's a good running theme for this episode is azula's a terrifying 14 year old yeah and this is the first time say again i just said all right she's 14 yeah 14 15 i think she's like slightly or whatever and this is the first time that she even interacts with ang like there's a moment where she realizes he's the avatar and like that now she's like trying to hunt him down too uh and i i it's it's a very important moment it's for ang to meet azula yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, a lot of pieces moved around in this episode, but it doesn't feel like um, a setup episode like we've talked before. It's like some episodes feel like setup, especially like these part ones that we've watched before. But this definitely, I mean, that just speaks, I guess, to the um, great continuity of the season, which we've talked about a little before, how every episode does a good job of building on what's come before and setting up future events. Yeah, I mean, it really smartly takes, I think it doesn't feel like set up an episode because it has so much familiar stuff to it, like King Bumi, the setting of Amashu, mm-hmm. and everything else, even though it really is setting up the entire antagonistic force for a lot of the show. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I guess do we want to... Usually we try to like run down the episode uh, beat by beat, so... Um... I guess we can start doing that, which uh, we start right where we left off, which was, oh shit, the Fire Nation is here. Yeah, I almost, I you almost sort of think it's like they cut off one line at the end of the last episode and started in the middle of that line at this episode. Right. It's like one second later. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> they should have like brought that up as like a time card, like one second after <laughs> the previous events that you've seen. It's like on a podcast where they say, okay, we have to go to a break and we're back. Uh, right. And no break. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that we just got like a, basically a history lesson on Omashu. And now we are seeing uh, like a new step in that history and not a good step. Um, we see this giant hostile takeover. Um, and I like that they... Aang has like this alternative way to get in. Um, so it's not like a repeat of what we saw last time. Although I guess like my complaint this episode was like, I'm so sad we didn't get to see um, uh, what's his name? Pippin Patalopsolis or whatever his like name was. I was like watching this. I was like, damn, uh, like when they were caught by those Fire Nation soldiers at first, I was like, I wish he like put on some hair or something, but you know. <laughs> a return whatever. to the disguise would have been good. I, th- I mean, you say we haven't seen this before, but 
you know, last episode was all about them going through a secret tunnel. This episode, they use a secret tunnel. Am I going to start seeing this in every episode? I don't know, but it seems to be a trend so far. Why? Well, I don't know. No spoilers. <laughs> um, for all people know, this could become a fully underground series. Like for the rest of the show, <laughs> you'd never get to see the light of day. Book two, Earth. That's what it's about. Right. You just live in the Earth the entire time. It's true. <laughs> That's where it gets the name. It does mm-hmm. seem like, I mean, I get that Aang, Aang is, I mean, I get that he wants to see if Boomy is, like, alive, which, like, I understand that. But it does seem like they're taking a lot of risk here by trying to infiltrate the, like, a, a huge city that the Fire Nation has completely taken over. Call me crazy. Right. Well, I mean, it's pretty bad. It's bad that they're doing that. It's risky. But I think a lot of Aang's character is trying to see what was, like, trying to retain his past. Like, retain what he loves. Like, remember how much he freaked out when they went to the the air temple? And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, all this is destroyed. And then Boomy's not destroyed. Like, that's, if Boomy's gone, that's his connection. And Omashiri's gone. Like, that's his connection to the world. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. bye-bye, you know? And that's horrible. That's stressful. <laughs> For sure, because like, yeah, if they just walk up, uh, they crest the hill, and they see Omashu's taken over by the Fire Nation, like, are they just gonna be like, uh, okay, and turn right and just keep moving on? Yeah. Like, I'm sure, like, I feel like they definitely would have to at least recon. Like, maybe they wouldn't have to like go in and like save anyone, but they at least need to like gather some information. Like, okay, what happened here? That's true, um, especially because sort of Boomy was their only lead on an Earthbending tutor. Uh, so they probably mm-hmm. should. I mean, I, I understand why. Obviously, they went in, and it makes sense. But it does. It, I when I, when I was watching it now, I, I mean, I didn't really think about it as a kid, but now watching it, I'm like, guys, like, go around. <laughs> like, we can right. figure something else well, out. This that just means you're on the side of. I mean, Sakna and Katara essentially make the same argument at the beginning of the episode. They're like, is it worth it to go in there? I mean, there's they <laughs> clearly have had enough time to set up giant smokestacks and big, a big old flag. Uh, so clearly, like, it's kind of far gone at this point. Yeah, um, you would think that, like, flag is probably one of the last things they're doing. Not really top of mind when they're taking over. So I don't think it's, like, a recent happening. Right. Not only that, they have that chiseled statue of Fire Lord Ozai, like, in the middle of the city. Yeah. Which is insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like 60 feet tall, at least. Right. Um, yeah, chiseled in the sense that it was probably chiseled out of something, and he is very ripped. Uh, in this image. Of yeah, him. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's stone, but he also clearly has, like, a strong jawline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that we're talking about, like, Ozai. Um, whenever I've watched this episode, like, um, there's a moment later in the episode, not to, like, skip ahead too much, but um, Azula renames the city from Omashu mm-hmm. to New Ozai, and I feel like every time I would watch that, just, like, was never something that I, like, cared about. It was, I was like, is that really relevant? Why is that line in there at all? Um, but, like, mm-hmm. for whatever reason in this rewatch, I kind of made the connection of last episode, we learned the importance of the name Omashu and, like, its significance to the culture of the city. So I think that line is there to just kind of solidify, um, like, yeah, the Fire Nation is um, not only physically overtaking, like, the earth kingdom but they are like culturally erasing their history as well um so i liked that touch like before i thought that was kind of a superfluous line from missoula but i i liked it this time 
That is interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And it is something that I sort of just like brush past now in the past, but that's a good point. I mean, that's a really cool imperialist stance. Like it's how, you know, a lot of America was named after like British colonies when they were invading, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, For I sure. didn't think of that either. That's super cool. All right. Well, thanks. I came up with it. <laughs> I was there in the writer's room. I was like, guys, this would be pretty cool. And they agreed with me. <laughs> I do feel like every, directly after they sneak in, like we start seeing, like we see May and we see Azula meet Ty Lee. And I feel like, I think that this just carries all the way through the show, but like every line of May's and Ty Lee's is like perfectly crafted to like explain who their character is, specifically mm-hmm. in this episode, but I feel like it continues on. Like every time mm-hmm. May something, says something, like her voice actress is perfect and she has something to say about how, like even if she doesn't say how bored she is, it the affectation carries it a lot. And I feel like Ty Lee's the same way, like they're both just extremely well acted uh, characters. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, the first episode of the season we talked about, like Azula had like a perfect introduction in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And I feel like mm-hmm. they continued that theme here. Um, I think that's just like a strength of the Avatar writing team is they're really great at just like, this is this character, you get to learn everything you need to know about a character in like two minutes, and you get a great full picture of who this person is. It's mm-hmm. really great to see because then it doesn't feel like a slog when you get to meet a new character. It's like an exciting thing. Yeah, especially because yeah. these designs are so like, like you said, like Tylee just like pops. Like she just wears so much pink and she's so bright. May is like, it's she's very funny and just like they're straight off the bat, like just excellent characterization. For sure. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're definitely that, um, the moment from Parks and Recreation that's kind of become its own meme of um, someone's going to die of fun it's very that energy for those two. <laughs> That's true. Right. Uh, so yeah. So they make it into the fire or into New Ozai, uh, still Omashu at this point. Um, and we get to meet. I would argue the cutest creature we've met so far, the purple pentapus. Yeah. Well, we we ranked the wolf bats and the badger moles last week. What are our thoughts on the purple pentapus? Definitely number one between the three of them. I mm-hmm. you know like. Of the of the new animals we've met in book two, purple pentapus easily A tier, S tier even for me. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I agree. S tier cuties. They're yes. adorable. They're adorable and they're useful. They literally drive the plot forward in this episode. I mean, so did the bat turtles and the wolf bats, but like the pentapuses do it without being aggressive. They're just <laughs> doing their thing and being cute. Yeah, and they can get off you if you tickle them. Yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so I'm glad we get to meet these creatures. Um, and then, let's see, they meet the Fire Nation, like we said. No Piven Patalops of Copolis, but Katara, again, shows great improv skills here. She instantly comes up with the disease idea, and Sokka plays along perfectly well, too. Um, so I liked that sort of connecting thread of, like, when you're in Omashu, you better be on your toes mm-hmm. and ready for anything that's a good point um so, and the, yeah you I, go was ahead. Just, I was just gonna say like during the the pentapox scene i could not help but think of covid and i loved right. how like ready and safe all the fire nation soldiers were and i really wanted that energy in people just on the streets in New yeah. York City. 
they instantly say we need to go wash our hands and burn our clothes like right that's the spirit you need to have like that's the wash your hands 20 second vibe that everyone should have but for sure <laughs> yeah don't. i wonder yeah what did they sing maybe the fire nation anthem instead of happy birthday to themselves twice <laughs> or maybe secret tunnel i don't know how we need to we never clocked how long secret tunnel is maybe secret tunnel is a perfect hand washing song secret tunnel could also be a nationwide bot they don't have a billboard top 100 that is sold to the audience yet right yeah i mean i don't i mean look you, you know i love Katara, Sokka, and ang but they don't they probably don't have their ear to the ground on what the like number one Earth Nation single is these days. Like, you know, Aang in an iceberg for a hundred years. Katara and Zaka never met someone new for the first 16 years of their life. So, like I don't think they really heard of other people or like their interests until Aang started taking them around. For sure. Yeah, they probably knew some like Southern Water Stripe folk songs and that's about it, probably. Yeah. Which I'm yeah. sure are good, but you know. Secret Tunnel seems like it was like um, produced well, like it's like a, a very made in like a studio sort of vibe to it. Um, so it's like meant to be very catchy instantly. Um, sure, it's got some really good EPs on it. It's just fantastic. It is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they managed to sneak their way in. Um, and is this the point where we cut to Ty Lee? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, like we see, we meet May first, and we right. see like they try to assassinate her, uh, which right. you know was dark, honestly. But like, uh, yeah, a whole boulder. Um, yeah, well, this episode is very interesting in that there's like this weird, not I don't know, not weird, weird's not the word. There's just an undertone to this episode of like, um, almost like a continuation of the Jet episode, where it's like, is it okay to just murder? The Fire Nation people, that's sort of the question they're asking here um, in terms of like, is it okay to just not return a child to its parents just because it's a Fire Nation baby? Um, is it okay to let a giant boulder smush a group of people just because they're Fire Nation? Let um, right? <laughs> like, the, like the, the resistance like was trying to kill them. Oh, I mean, like, I guess the like the moral dilemma there was for Aang. Like, he was the guy at the trolley. The trolley problem, yeah. Yeah, except, yeah, it was either <laughs> let um, a small child get smushed to death in front of you and be traumatized for the rest of your life, um, or not let that happen. Yeah, or no one dies. Yeah, <laughs> those were the options. Uh, yeah, so uh, are we, I guess, are we on the side of Aang? Or are we on the side of the resistance where we're just smushing people? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, that's what that's what this is all about. Like, it's the trolley problem. It's like, I see where the resistance is coming from. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. they want to take back their home. These people have invaded them, like, for global domination. And so, like, you know, killing some Fire Nation soldiers or, like, leaders isn't, like, morally unjust even though like war is bad but like they're at war so you know like i guess i can see where they're coming from for sure i can see where they're coming from and i get it but i'm kind of brilliant because i don't i think these people ultimately seem pretty nice they seem well-meaning enough they're just caught they're just born in bad circumstances if the war ever ends don't know what happens but if it does they might be turn around to be pretty nice people and that's right. that's just what I'm. They're not as tyrannical as as one might be from the yeah. fire. Maker. 
right? Unlike uh, Azula, they're very not Azula. <laughs> like Azula is there to like present um, almost the opposition argument of like, yeah, but this lady is here and she's willing to do all that and more. Yeah, she also says that they're apparently doing a bad job of running the city. So like, yes, these, I mean, but like, no, like I feel like this guy is like a, he's a career soldier who like has worked his way up and is now in charge of one of the largest Earth Kingdom cities. Like he's got, he's done some evil things. I just know it. Uh, and I just feel like, I think it's, I think it'd be okay to have him be crushed. Yeah, <laughs> but he was, that's the thing though. It's like, he wasn't there. It was like his family. Oh, um, my, my mistake. Right. Okay, then it? if I it's just, it was... if it's just his family, then no, I wouldn't support. Right. Right. Yeah, Cause the white. Right, you go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna, I think it is, unless I'm remembering wrong, it's like just the wife and May and um, Tom Tom. Okay, so I, then I totally agree with Aang and think they shouldn't be crushed. And uh, if if it was, if the dad was there and the baby was still there, I would still have some moral quandaries with that. <laughs> right. Just to fully <laughs> close the loop. For sure. Um, yeah, and... Um... And the Aang also is the one who encourages the resistance who we then meet after a really fun introduction to May's powers, I guess you could call them, which is the power of throwing very elaborate looking knives, um, which is awesome. Great power. Yeah, queen of <laughs> knives. I've said it before on this podcast, they make people who can't bend still look really cool fighting and they introduce two non-benders who are major threats in this episode. For sure. Just are you a fan of May and her uh, sharp weapons, her sharp objects? Oh, I mean, I love May and her sharp objects. Uh, <laughs> I love May. Bangs. Like, I'm, I think it took a lot of confidence to design a character with like such straight bangs. You don't mm -hmm. see that much in the show. Okay, sure. wait. It, the white in her hair is dye, right? Or is it the light hitting it? That's I can never remember. A reflection. Yeah, That's I think it. her hair is. Yeah. Her, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's supposed to read as, like, her hair is very, very dark, so it's just, like, very reflective. Very shiny. Okay. Yeah. I can never remember if it's, like, dyed hair or the light. Right. Right. Yeah. Because they had mm -hmm. dyed that. It's, like, year 1,000-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on Earth. That's the time it is. This is actually in the distant past of our past. <laughs> just like Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. It was <laughs> Game of Thrones, just like 100 years ago we just all forget it's so easy <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah on what, what was that all based on truth mm -hmm. um yeah so at we sort of may sort of size her way through and around a boulder <laughs> that mm -hmm. almost crushes her family and then she starts throwing knives around and ang stops one with his like staff which was cool uh, yeah. and then that's when we get introduced to tylee like right after the main introduction right yeah 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 and she's standing on her fingertips, singular. Impressive. Yeah. Like, to your point, great introduction. She's just like, my aura feels so pink, which is such a solid line to open on. Mm -hmm. I don't immediately know with the pose, the line, you're like, oh, this person yogas. And you get that <laughs> line immediately. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's almost like a valley girl meets, like, um, yeah, like yoga person. I don't know what kind of stereotype that would be. Just Southern Californian. Yeah. <laughs> Modern Southern Californian. Right. Um, yeah, I love the I love when shows can do that where they like 
I mean, we talked about it last episode with the nomads who are basically stoners. It's like they can introduce this trope that we are familiar with in our world, but in the context of this, like this is the version of like a valley girl in this world. That's what that looks like. Yeah, um, and Tylee is like she almost feels like world breaking. Like we don't, there's no other character like her in the show, like at all. She just, but like she just is so bright and bubbly and fun and amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a different, like we said, it's like a very different sort of character that we haven't seen before. Um, we've seen happy, like Aang's a happy guy, but she is like pathologically bubbly. Yeah, true. Plus that we, I mean, at least so far, we haven't experienced like a deeper side where obviously Aang comes with a lot of baggage in every single episode, but Tylee is just like, I'm bubbly and evil, which is great. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love a villain who can just sort of like be excited in their villainy and like because like a dark villain like May makes a lot of sense and like as well as obviously very cruel and that's also like villain of course but like Tylee is just like thrilled to be there I feel like she's I feel like she'd be an amazing Instagram influencer I think that she'd be have I just, she'd have a lot of great uh, stories and I think that she'd just be I think she would thrive in a modern world. Whereas I don't know if Azula and May fully would. I think May has like goth, like it's like TikTok goth potential Gothia. for sure. Yes, um, for sure. Azula, I don't know. I don't know if we have room for that energy. I mean, the only equivalent I can think of is like um, like a Fox News pundit sort of character for her. You know, just out here being evil for the fun of it. She's evil. She's got strong opinions. She's like a Tommy Loren like type. For mm, sure. That's, that's the exact like, just like this is what happens. My my dad, he's great. Yeah, like it's cool to be hateful. It's Azula's <laughs> vibe in the real world. In just like Tommy Loren or however the fuck you say her name, who cares? Uh, <laughs> we so we see that Tylee is like Azula's trying to convince Tylee to like join her squad, her her girl squad. Her ha I mean, Azula's sort of becoming a girl boss. Uh, you know, <laughs> amazing mm -hmm. for her, trying to get her to team up. And we, but after that, we like meet the the resistance, and we see this flashback of Boomy surrendering as soon as they like arrive at Omashu, which is like, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> This is you're like I just feel like Boomy probably has the skills to be able to defend the city on his own, but when it came down to it, he said, "I'm gonna just sit here." What's up with that? Yeah, how do we feel about the that decision? It. I mean, the way he when it when he gets a chance to explain himself, it's I like it. it I'm like almost convinced, but I'm still like. You didn't have to just give up. Like you had walls. You had walls. You had, the, you had the strategic advantage, and I just feel like you're putting a lot on chance that there will be. You'll know it when you see it, and there will be a time to strike back. But now is not it, which I guess is the. I mean, it's it's a it's a long way to go for a small short lesson thing. For sure. Um, yeah, I do like it as a contrast to the finale of Book One, though where we just watched an entire siege go down and watched people fighting tooth and nail to protect their home. And then Boomy's like, just uh, like the complete opposite. 
um, which is an interesting idea. Whether it make makes sense, but I mean, that's kind of the point of Boomy is like, he just is a wackadoo. Whoa, he's, what's he gonna do? He's a madman, but like his people are loyal. Like I know that they're fighting back now, but like as, at, before that, when he said that they're gonna surrender, like they must have followed him because they did. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like Boomy's so strong that they lost immediately without him. Like, I don't know. That guy, that one guy seemed really going out to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was raring to go. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, yeah, see, like, what went down. Did they all just, like, stand there as the Fire Nation just waltzed in? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's the impression that the resistance leader gives to me. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, that sucks for them because clearly, like we said, they're very excited to fight. They're also very excited to um, have hostages sometimes. Um, yeah. Wait, what do you mean? Like the baby. Like yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. cool, bargaining chip, great. Also, yeah, hey, no the baby. You I was gonna say it. they say to the baby's face, like, "Hey, you're gonna be evil someday, kid." Like to a babbling child. But like, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but he can't defend himself. He can't say like, "No, you're wrong." He's a baby. Yeah, yeah but like, <laughs> if he were to grow up as the son of the leader of like the biggest Fire Nation captive city at this time, it's like probably he would be evil like he would probably grow up brainwashed to be a fire nation loyalist and like would be evil fair i guess just seemed a little little rude to just be all up in this infant's face <laughs> like yeah, just a lack of manners just a yeah to attack on this baby right he's just he just wants to chew on a club like and play with a monkey who among us can't relate to that yeah, I, I can definitely relate. I just, I just I can see where they're coming from. Where maybe like they, I mean, because then it's like, obviously they're not gonna steal this baby on this show, but like, <laughs> he would probably become a better person if they had. Uh, <laughs> okay. But the ba- the baby like I I'm the baby like walks out with that with all of the people of Omashu when they're like leaving with the pentapox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone's gotta be watching this baby. Cause like I like I, I know that May later is shown to not care about her brother and is like willing to give him up when they don't give up Boomy, but it's like no mm-hmm. one was watching this baby. And so like maybe her maybe her mom and dad are fine with it. Cause like how do you come back from the from the trade without your brother at that point? I mean, May is just like stone cold. She's just like I I can't. Sorry, guys. Like we didn't do the trade. <laughs> like, they have the baby still. We still have King Boomy. Like I would love to see that scene where she's like, "Didn't happen." Sorry, mom and yeah. dad. <laughs> right. I mean, we've talked before about how realistic the sibling relationships are on this show. That rings so true. Like, would your sibling not do the same thing? Like, yeah. May said, "Brother for sale for free. Just keep him." Yeah. Her bestie told her, "Let's not do this." Cool. I'm Drop on board. immediately. Yeah. He's a newborn, so she's probably craving some attention that she just lost to this raw baby. You know, like <laughs> the parents see this baby and they're like giving it all 
all the attention and may's there she's just got her knives to love yeah may's like i just met this guy i don't care about him his name's tom tom what the fuck kind of name is that why would i care about him that is the tom name tom. of one of the bars on vanderpump rules oh i because think of it, I was thinking of the that GPS system, which I don't know if that's a still a thing anymore, and also the band, um, the mm. Tom Tom Club. Uh, on Vanderpump Rules, there are two characters named Tom, and at one point they opened a bar together, <laughs> and they named it Tom Tom. Uh, you know, early quarantine was dark for all of us. I've been <laughs> four to five seasons of Vanderpump Rules, and that's why I know these things. Yeah, wow, that's so sad. I'm sad about it. Uh, like, yeah, and so after the baby gets away and we see him sneaking out, that's when we get the scene where Azul is like, light the nut on fire, unleash the animals, mm -hmm. I'm a crazy woman. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I like that scene because it frames Tylee as an unwilling participant. I know we talked about how she's like kind of just, just there having fun. And I mean, in the fight scene, she's very active and not like resistant to the idea of attacking these people she doesn't know. Um, but she is definitely like, she's not wanting to be here in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, I mean, I like that about both May and Tylee. Like they're definitely like, Azula's the one prodding them into doing this, but they're just there to have fun with their best friend. <laughs> True. I mean, yeah, they did that from the very first scene with Tylee where like, the last beat is her not wanting Azula to stay and see the show. Like she knows something's going to go wrong. Uh, and then obviously this is like, I mean, I say, I might say this word a lot, but like, this is psychopathic behavior, like, <laughs> uh, like for real. And just like, it's just, uh, you know, it's Azula's not being a very good friend in this episode to me. May and Tylee are bending over backwards to do everything she wants all day long. And then she turns around and tries to set her friend on fire. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I Just, mean, do, you, do you have any friends who are like Azula? Who tries to try to set me on fire? Not yet. Oh, I, well, that's good. Sorry, though. What were you going to say before I asked if you had a friend who was an active sociopath? Oh, well, before that interesting cue, uh, I was just mentioned that Tylee had a really quick turnaround time. I have to imagine like Azul has been like this for a long time and it's gone a lot worse in other occasions. True. She, sure. kno she probably knows that it's only going to get more. She's, she, Azula knows that she wants Tylee on the team and she's going to get her regardless yeah. of how long it takes. Mm -hmm. Azula is a scouting master. Like she... No, she sees what she wants and she's getting you on the team. Yeah, she said, I want a small elite team and she had the group assembled in the next 10 minutes of the show. Mm -hmm. That's it, her job would be a recruiter. That'd be her yeah. job. She, yeah, that's the positive thing Azula should be directing her energy towards. Like, she should be worried about the Fire Nation like football club, not whatever this is, the murder crew. Yeah, Modern. I feel like she could do some great work on selling Sunset. Like, I feel like she could be a real estate person really easily. I feel like she's got the, like, instincts, to the killer instinct you need to make those sales. Yeah, for sure. Alternative, modern day, this elite team, this elite killer squad, social media gurus, all of them. Mm. The company being tightly. Easy spin-off. Uh, they're, like, essentially a TikTok house? Yeah, essentially a TikTok house, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Good for them. 
<laughs> that I would consider TikTok houses the modern day evil. <laughs> the largest Probably. threat to our society. I I do think I mean I just feel like this is like the first stage of like imagining an an AU an alternate universe when you're like in a fan base, but like you see, I mean, like Aang would obviously be verified, and like they would have amazing <laughs> content flying around on Appa all day, every day. Even though, like, they would be they would be like, "Don't dox our location." Like, we're trying to not kick up <laughs> as they fly around the world. I guess it would probably make Zuko's job a lot easier. Uh, trying to kidnap no Zuko in this episode, which was, I mean, it's a packed episode, but I do miss that lad. For sure. It's always a uh, tough choice to cut the Zuko from the episode, but sometimes but it has to be done, I guess. Another parallel to the last Omashu episode, there was no Zuko in that episode either. It's true. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. bring it all together. True. I mean, yeah, we got Flopsy this episode, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, true. We got uh, male shoot racing, like we got the same exact music even. That was cool. No cabbages, though. I don't think they've like touched on the goal. They understood the goal of the cabbage merchant yet. For sure. Like they, he was like a running joke for like a few episodes in book one, but yeah, he has not returned yet at this point. I agree. It's strange. Like, why is there no, like, why would he not be trying to sell his wares to the fire nation? He did obviously had trouble with earth kingdom before, but now maybe he's like, maybe these guys will buy my cabbages. That's the thing. You're like, Oh, earth Kingdom hates cabbages, but fire nation. They love cabbages. It's so easy to set on fire. A quick fireball, easy to use, battle, and eat. Mm-hmm. You, and you would think that the Earth Kingdom would want cabbages because they really appreciate their greens. For sure. But they, there, was no, there was nothing for them in the, fi- in the, in the, in the Earth Kingdom. Poor yeah. cabbage merchant. Haven't seen him in a while, but I hope he comes back soon. Uh, they, they, we get this, we get this standoff where, you know, May, Tylee, and Azula have fully assembled and they're there with, they're bringing King Boomy to the, like, thing. Uh, scaffolding? Yeah. And they, they, they've met up with Aang and Katara and Sokka at the top of this scaffolding that's happening yeah. at, at the city. <laughs> and then, yeah, like we said earlier, Azula is sort of just like, why are we doing this? It's like, <laughs> you're right. We should not be doing this. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's like, who? It's, I, I understand that she is the Fire Lord's daughter, but I'm just like, I, it's a lot of trust to put in these 14-year-old girls to like handle <laughs> handle the deal. <laughs> I mean, she kind of forced him to let her do it. She like yeah. berated the guy um, and renamed his own city for him without even asking. Oh, True. Azula like, comes, way, out, comes anywhere Azula is, she immediately takes over the situation and just wants to be the person in charge, which mm-hmm. is amazing. For sure. We love that for her. So Very I'll, alpha teenager. Oh, so I'll say this is really interesting. I found this interesting. Like, Aang is still in full air red regard, right? Mm-hmm. All he has is like the little head wrap. It's interesting to me that he doesn't have enough notoriety yet that people see the head wrap, they see the staff, they're like, oh, that's the avatar, you know? For like, sure. Like, that build up with the tattoos being the only iconography. Yeah, it's interesting because yeah, it's like you see orange and yellow. I feel like your first instinct is Avatar right there. Yeah. No one else. Everyone else seems to be working with the greens and the blues and the reds, like we've said. Um, so yeah, like that should be uh, not a red flag, but a yellow flag. 
<laughs> yellow and orange flag. And yeah, I mean, if because if I ever saw someone wearing pink in this world, I would immediately assume it's Ty Lee. She's the only person wearing pink. Right. Yeah. And that's like Air Nomad Guard. They read their textbooks, whatever they have, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's what Air Nomads wear, orange and red. Yeah. I would be afraid to read a Fire Nation history book about the genocide of the Air Nomads. I feel like they would probably tell it through some, you know, quite the lens. For sure. Yeah, they probably said their outfits are stupid. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It's a genocide. And they're like, yeah, and their outfits were dumb. They were an affront to fashion itself, and we had to take them out. (laughs) For sure. Uh, we yeah. this is a really good show of all of their fighting, like mm-hmm. Azula, Tylee, and May. Like we see May is throwing knives everywhere. Uh, Azula, we've seen her fight before, but she's got some great. There's some fire blasting, and I I can't remember if she does lightning in this episode, but then I don't believe so. Yeah, we see. We're we're sort of like okay, well, what does Tylee do? She's flipping around everywhere, and then suddenly she touch like jabs at Katara a little bit and she can't bend anymore and it's just like what was that they didn't even explain what happened they didn't there wasn't like one line of dialogue about what occurred it's so it is so good that we just like clearly see Tylee did some like a couple touches and now she can't do it it's amazing game changer yeah totally different from anything we've seen before I like I maybe i'll talk about this in the spoiler section and we can clarify what i remembered about this but it's fine mm-hmm. very uh you know naruto neji and hinata hyuga mm, tease. Yeah. i don't know which came first probably the naruto stuff but yeah. like they uh it it's 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 chi blocking and i'm here for it i love Ty Lee. it's like that is you would you would ne- you would never know what she was gonna pull out in a fight you sort of just think she's, she's just gonna do like hand-to-hand stuff and then she's got this amazing ability yeah yeah, awesome. came first. <laughs> yeah, um, but the, I guess the other question is, where is Kill Bill fit, like fit into this? The whole uh, what? Not the it's gonna call it the five finger death punch, but that's a band. Uh, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but the thing yeah, she like does to five point heart expl- heart exploding yeah. heart palm technique. Yeah, like that. that's it. And which she which she uses to kill the eponymous Bill. Oh. No spoilers or spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah, well, we can spoil other shows like <laughs> other media, just not Bill, that one. Yeah, Bill gets killed. There are wars in the stars. Uh, what else can I spoil? <laughs> Dark Those rings have a lord. <laughs> yes, there is a lord of multiple rings. There's more than one <laughs> ring. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, there's like another underrated part of this scene though that um, happens at the very beginning, which uh, Azula is like. Uh, the we have this like very powerful earthbending king right and Abumi just is like nods along yep that you got that right I'm really good I just love that like um, not that's an interesting play again by Booby like why are you revealing your cards here he knows his worth he d- does not ever have imposter syndrome and <laughs> he just goes for it which I I think is a wonderful uh trait in a person sure yeah he's a confident guy and we so we like ang rides around the shoots on boomy's coffin thing that they have yeah. in it's metal i guess they assume he can't earthbend clearly he can earthbend with his chin because he's that strong of a dude just mentions things around and like they that's how they get away from azula and 
for long enough for Aang and Boomy to have this conversation about Jin, which every time I watch this episode, I think that I should, is this a real thing? I'm, I assume it is, but I don't, I've never heard of it outside of this context. Um, and we like, there's positive Jin and negative Jin, positive when you're attacking, negative when you're retreating. And Boomy talks about a third kind of Jin, which is when you do nothing, which is like what he, what an earthbender needs to know. It's sometimes it's okay to just like stand in place. For and sure. Aang doesn't have that gear currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jen is interesting. It almost feels like a thing that you expect the show to go into more depth about, but it's just like a kind of just a throwaway sort of idea of like attack or tree and whatever the hell Boomy is doing. Those are your three options in any given situation. Yeah. Uh, and it, well, we talked about it earlier in the premiere episode because there's like a two line two lines of dialogue that like is about this before we ever get this conversation where ang and the general are fighting and the general's like you can't keep running forever and ang says you can't keep fighting forever and it's like exactly there's sometimes mm-hmm. you have to do something else aha the seeds they were planted it's genius mm-hmm. for sure <laughs> So yeah, so um, it's an interesting idea to like go through all of this rigmarole to like save this character and then for the character to say, I'm good. Uh, you guys go ahead. I'm going to roll on up this hill. <laughs> yeah, he's sort of just like, no, they had it right. Like they should keep me kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Right. Find someone uh, else. Mm-hmm. But it feels very Boomy. I mean, Boomy's whole thing, I mean, in a lot of ways, Boomy was teaching Aang neutral Jin in his first appearance in a lot of ways. He was teaching him to wait and assess a situation and look for an alternative solution. Um, so I like that yet another connection to our, our first Omashu episode. True. Totally just like, I mean, as much as I love Boomy as a character, I don't think that like having him in the group is the right thing for the show. Yeah, it's not the vibe, you know? Like, I love I love getting to see Boomy. I think he's great in all the episodes he's in, but I don't think that, like, this was the person who yeah. is the right choice for the narrative of the show. For well, sure. Team Avatar doesn't feel right if it's a 12-year-old, two 14-year-olds, and old man. Yeah, like someone who's That's- 112. Well, another person who's 112. Right. Someone who's, yeah. like, biologically 100. Yeah, mentally. Whatever you want to call. Yeah, mentally. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the one. <laughs> yes, in all ways except uh, physical, Ang is one hundred and twelve years old. <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah, and so like the episode starts wrapping up. Like we, mm-hmm. Ang and they leave. Ang and Katara in Sokka. We also, I think, we see that Katara can waterbend again. Like she eventually wears off whatever Tylee did to her. Uh, and like we see Aang return the baby, uh, you know, it's like, is that baby better off being with his family and growing up to be evil or being stolen and not growing up to be evil? It's like the moral quandaries we're presented with. Uh, and, <laughs> um, uh, and then we get the, we get the tease where, as where May and Tyler are like, we're going after your brother and uncle, huh? And, Tylee's like, it'll be interesting seeing Zuko again, huh, May? And it's like, 
hints at what's coming next. Like, obviously, there's something there. We don't know what it is, but it's uh, all fun yeah. backstory stuff that's fe- like it feels so lived in. Mm-hmm. Mace's face is very um, almost frightening in that moment. <laughs> it looks very mischievous. Like you'd expect, like a blush or like a oh, Tylee, you and your weirdness. But it's like she's plotting something. It's, it's also like the first time we've seen her emote, so it, it, like it's it's all very it's all very built into that. Where it's like, what did she just do with her face, and why did she do that? <laughs> very um, Mandy from Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, smiling mm-hmm. for the first time. Reality, yeah. is falling apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, Sam or just uh, any concluding thoughts before we dive into spoiler territory on this episode? good episode i'm ready to spoil everything <laughs> you're just like the resistance guy you're just rare and you're we're holding you back you're ready to go definitely enjoyable i think that this was a great episode like it was totally packed from front to back like we didn't even have time to check in with zuko and iroh and so like we but and we introduced two new characters and we like went through a whole thing with the resistance and like the there was the gigantic fight scene on the scaffolding. Oh, there's so much stuff. We met May's family, all the like inner working of the Fire Nation stuff too. Like, I think this was a great episode where like not a single line of dialogue or second was wasted. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Um yeah, so should we plug then and then we can move on in? Uh just yeah. do you want to tell people just where... in case people drop out, just will you tell people where they can find you online? Oh, uh, sure. Cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cool Space Cadet, and you can find me on Instagram at Just Learning. If and please follow the website Inverse.com. I write for them, so my stuff pops up on there pretty regularly. Other writing things, just check Twitter. If nice. you care. Uh, I'm at Sam Stanish everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, and unfortunately, did not make the did not nav my username early enough and had to be at Samuel Stanish on TikTok, uh, which I have started releasing TikTok. I'm no longer just a lurker on TikTok. I started making videos uh, and it's fun. It's such a good app. And the video making software is so good. I like, I had known it like conceptually, but I had never like gone in and experimented with it, but it's amazing. It's so, it's excellent, excellent technology. Uh, And I'm at Samuel Stanish there. Nice. And you can follow my other podcast, Word on the Streets, obviously. Forgot about that for a second. Uh, I, we release every Thursday, and we talk about straight heterosexual culture. Yes, and you and your co-host, Joe, were also guests on um, the podcast of recent guests on our podcast, um, The Hump. Excellent point, Derek. Yeah, on the mm-hmm. most recent episode of The Hump, as of this release, uh, it is my and Joe's episode uh, all about our sexual awakenings. Go, go, go thither and learn about my past. Yes, the proverbial return to Amashu, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, the just like sort of recentering myself, remembering where where I was and where I've come to be. For sure. Um, yeah. So you can find me at Rain Derek's on Twitter. Um, and you can find us at Bitterger's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I love us. Me too. 
Um, so, well, <laughs> well, let's start. Let's do some. Let's do some mailbox stuff, I guess. Oh, I yeah, sure. Some, or maybe we can do that. Well, I'll just do it now since I said it anyway. Right. You opened <laughs> um, the Pandora's mailbox. Unfortunately, um, Derek, this is a follow up from last week where our friend Erica, who wrote in about you saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm, a lot, uh-huh. has said I mean, to clarify. Mm-hmm. Derek, I live for your active listening skills. Your mm-hmm's always make me giggle. And she says, also, is May the biggest gay icon in Avatar The Last Airbender? Discuss. Oh, that's tough. I feel that's like if tough. you are someone who gravitates to, like, the Raven, like, Teen Titans Raven sort of archetype, then May is probably the number one with a bullet for the show. I get that, sure. Um, she's, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I don't know if I would say she's the number one. But, like, what's her competition at this point, do we think? Well, to me, I feel like Boomy, just present in this episode, like, he is, I like, he is a homosexual man, and I will not be told <laughs> otherwise. But unfortunately, sure. a lot of gay mm-hmm. icons tend not to be homosexual guys. So I think sure. that May is a good pick. I think that, like, Katara is a gay icon. Obviously, Kiyoshi is, like, a huge... Mm-hmm lesbian so like I, I, I actually think she's bisexual i've not read the books but i feel like people love kiyoshi especially gay people it's true um and i feel like tai lee is also a gay icon in a lot of ways too she's sort of the other like she's the starfire to may's raven um and i would put those both up on sort of the same level of this like archetype you're uh, she's like a buffy summer sort of thing like the bubbly cheerleader um, yeah it's in like it's it's very wicked alphaba and glinda it, mm. there's all sorts of examples of that nature i can think of and all of them are gay icons uh sure. so that's sort of where i've landed on that i, I just yeah just what is your take on may as a gay icon i mean sure like the raven type and may's also the only gal with nail polish on the show right like she has that pitch black nail polish going on true interesting i hadn't even thought of that and so clearly she's done a good job with her manicures or wherever she goes. Because at this point, which is year a thousand, she had to have invented nail polish. Mm-hmm. And she did it just for the sake of painting. Or she painted her nails. That's an achievement. It is. And I mean, she clearly puts a lot of thought into her outfit. Like we said, she has a different sort of like tone yeah. and palette going on with her outfit. She's got the bangs yeah. going. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. She ha- definitely has like the fashion is a solid check next to the gay icon like itinerary and your yeah. hair is like just so perfectly poofy like ty lee and azula they're all kind of messes but oh a little i just think little. they're very like tied back and, like, sure but tight may's like very symmetrical and and like mm-hmm. methodical in how she looks for sure i see that yeah um good point erica i think may is a gay icon yeah, because, like, even though, like, I feel like a lot of people love Toph and, like, Zuko. I don't think that they are gay icons, even though, like, everyone loves Toph or, like, whatever. But I just don't think that, like, they have the the factor we're looking for for this discussion. I think Azula has, like, she's, like, that bitch, obviously. Like, that sort of energy for gay icon. I don't really know that there's, like, any one person that I would, like, be, like, this is the one for the gays. For sure. Yeah, I, don't, I think my pick would be Katara for the number one spot, like we said. Probably. But, uh, we love a growth arc. 
Okay, so here is our other mailbox. We have one from our dear friend Michael, but it's all about um, Drag Race uh, All Stars Six spoilers that I will not read on air. <laughs> oh. uh, but we can maybe we can just maybe later we can discuss about that one. Uh, okay. But uh, so this is from Derek's biggest fan, who says, oh. "Derek, big fan here. I don't rewatch <laughs> the episode often because I don't really like Tom Tom." this baby is taking such a pummeling i feel like while writing this episode the writers never expected anyone to have any reactions to tom tom whatsoever but this episode we've proven them wrong uh (laughs) this person says i don't rewatch this episode often because i don't really don't like tom tom the pentafox hits maybe a little too close to reality with how quickly it spread it's kind of sad to watch the misinformation about the disease spread by word of mouth but i guess at least the guards took steps to stop the spread oh my god we talked about that uh and then they said this is a cool episode because it begins to set up how powerful and twisted azula really is the way she manipulates her friends does a great job of setting up the betrayal at the boiling rock i really hope people jumped out when we talked about the spoilers uh, <laughs> they said uh i also love that the people azula trusts the most in the world are non-vendors beautiful and nice. uh like uh are there any reactions there's another part of this that i'll get to next but uh yeah i i think it's cool that like she she could have like two like people who are really similar who are just sort of their her like nameless drones who are also firebenders or whatever but giving them these distinct uh fighting styles that are different from hers is really cool yeah right i think it's also but it's still very in character for azula's friends to be people that are still in royalty because ty lee and may they're both in government politics all that jazz it's cool to see new fighting styles yeah and i think <laughs> um yeah i agree yeah and it it makes sense that they do come from this like very prestigious what was it like fire nation girls academy royal girls academy or something yeah um, but i think there's like an interesting way you can read into the idea of like her two closest confidants and friends although i don't know if azula would ever call them her friends um, i think she would call them her friends i think but that's like, just, like incorrect <laughs> like her conception of what a friend is is not what a, like a friend actually would be mm-hmm. um but like to me i'm like thinking like maybe she did that like she chose them on purpose to sort of always have this power imbalance like she's always going to have this thing over them she's a bender and they are not um yeah which isn't and it which is like i hadn't even thought of that until this uh my biggest fan brought this up um this idea of like yeah she has these two they're still very strong capable fighters but they also just like aren't benders so like because it's like can you imagine azula putting um like another firebender on her team like would she be okay with that competition true it's like rue not having other drag queens as guests judging it's true um no yeah i think that's a very like she never has to like she would there was there's no chance that it's ever going to come to an Agni Kai. Like, there's no chance that, like, she'll ever be defeated in one-on-one combat against her friend, which I guess, like, is something that's interesting to think about where she will always have a leg up on them. I think that um, I agree with what your biggest fan was saying about how (laughs) the interactions uh, in this episode are, like, already setting up the, like, betrayal at the end, where just, like, Mm -hmm. I... I, I really noticed it this time while watching it where just like, I mean, obviously like 
watching it, you know that what she's doing to Tylee is fucked up at the circus. Uh, but like, it's like it, the abuse starts like immediately where just like she's immediately like putting her thumb on the scale and like forcing her way and like making her friends change their lives. Although like, I don't know, like it feels like May, it wasn't really forced to do this. Like if I think that May is like completely on board at this point and like didn't, mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm misremembering and there's something that happened in this episode, but I feel like May was ready to go as soon as possible. But especially for Tylee, like it sets up this, like these two friends who like become, I, like eventually Tylee will no longer be able to take it, which I, I mean, it's one of the best moments in the show. Uh, sure. So that's exciting. And I, I agree that it's set up perfectly from the very beginning of their interactions, which is excellent storytelling. Yeah. I mean, the like May's motivation is she's just bored. She doesn't like where she is. So it's like they're immediately telling us that all three of these girls are not on the same page in terms of their motivations for why they're doing what they're doing. And for especially for May and Taylee, the stakes are not the same. Um, so, yeah, that break later on makes total sense. Um, not just because the characters come off as like not nearly as cruel as Azula is, um, but just because their motivations are completely different, too. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and also, I feel like they are for, like the ending shot uh, or one of the like final shots of the episode is like Azula is like sort of in the background of the shot in her palanquin being carried by people and May and Taylee are in the foreground by themselves talking to each other. So there's already this visual divide between them. Um, so, yeah, I like that. They might be friends, but Azula is always going to be a little bit higher than them. Just they never forget it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a third, there's another part of your biggest fans message to us okay. and it's warning that it has mild Kyoshi novel spoilers question mark. So it fe- I haven't read it yet. So it feels like it's probably not going to be that big of a deal and we'll just keep going. Right. Just have you, you've read the most recent one, but you, so have you read both of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So you might have to field this question for us. Oh, we'll see. They say neutral Jing is a new idea presented at the end of this episode. It is set up as a powerful tool and a completely new approach to conflict for Aang. It is also mentioned in the Kyoshi novels quite a bit, which is fitting as an earthbending nation avatar. But on the other hand, the book explores some of the downfalls of Neutral Jin. It is it's an interesting con it's an interesting contrast that Neutral Jin can hurt a novice, but is powerful when used correctly with a master. Some of the main conflicts Roku has to deal with stem directly from when Kyoshi uses Neutral Jin. It really reinforces the idea that each avatar creates problems that the next one needs to solve. Anyway, in Kyoshi's lifetime, I'm guessing Neutral Jing maybe fell out of common knowledge slash favor because so many people kept messing it up. Eventually, the mindset becomes attacker avoidance. This could explain why it is such a new concept to Aang. Whoa, I like that read on the situation. <laughs> That's cool. Um, that's our head. Uh, I assume, are you familiar with what they're talking about uh, with like neutral gen being like a theme of the books? Yeah, but I just to bring it back to Avatar, I think it's, mm-hmm. it is interesting though that it's that characters in Avatar are always so docile and attacker avoidance does become a thing. Like we, we mm-hmm. see that later on, I can say spoilers now, right? Yes. Uh, we see that later on with like the Earth, Earth King and his bear, like he's like a mm-hmm. Even though there's the Dialy, he's very docile to like any incoming threats. He's very easily overtaken, and mm-hmm. and I think that's probably an example of a novice that we can we can use. Whereas if someone like Boomy, who does take everything back because he knows that 
time when to strike. And it's not attack or avoidance. It's an ancient art for him. Nice. Interesting. Yeah, that I hadn't thought of like the connection to the Earth King. Like you said, he's uh, like a bad example of what neutral gen would be, which is just don't do anything ever and not know when to actually stand up and uh, do something. I mean, um, he's had his head forced into the sand. Like he doesn't know what's yeah, it's going not on. His his neutral fault. by by de default. Right. True. Like it's not his fault, but it's still yeah. I think it's a good contrast between the Earth King and this other king that we know. Um, yeah. But I also do like I feel like it's hard to talk about neutral gen without talking about who oh like Boomy is unknowingly or unwittingly referring to, which would be Toph, who will become Aang's uh, teacher. And she literally, like we learned in that episode, she literally listens and waits before acting, uh, which is interesting. It's like almost like not what you expect from Toph's character, like having seen all of the show and knowing everything you know about Toph. It's like Toph, you immediately associate with like kind of very abrasive, almost mm -hmm. aggressive sort of hot headed. Um, yeah, hot headed. But it's like she's her fighting is like kind of a different story for her. She is like forced to tap into neutral gen because she doesn't have the like the ability to be an Azula who can just be on the offensive instantly because she has all of the information she needs in order to do so. Um, so yeah, that's a cool idea of like Toph. If you're like forming this character around the idea of neutral gen, it's so easy to maybe make like a boring character, or, like a character who's just like very quiet and reserved, but Toph's not that at all. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love that for the Earth Kingdom girls. Clearly they're doing neutral <laughs> gen right. True. Yeah, no, this was an amazing message from your biggest fan, and yeah. I hope we get more very in-depth thoughts like this in the future. For uh, sure. Thank you. I mean, it's it's interesting that they talk about neutral gen in uh, Kyoshi novels. That's uh, cool that they revisited it after it basically disappears after this episode. For sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so what is, uh, is that about it for the spoilers? Uh, just, you seemed really excited about spoilers. Is there anything else that when you're watching this episode, you're like, oh, this makes you think about this. That's going to happen later that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, I mean, cause like there, obviously we will see Omashu liberated eventually in the finale, in the finale, um, in a flashback, um, which is fun, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Because he just yeah, uses uh, his head to do it. I don't have anything off of my head, actually. Pumper Nichols. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Yeah. We got very in-depth into uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, and like we said, I feel like a lot of this episode is definitely setting up Toph for us because Boomy is kind of like the show wants us to assume uh, that like, oh, Boomy is the natural like conclusion if we're thinking of who's going to teach Aang earthbending. Um, and so this is his way of sort of passing that torch on to Toph. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they do have loose ends. Like, Boomy's, Boomy does have that line where he's like, I'll be there when you need me most. And then he, he never really shows up other than in the White Lotus thing. Yeah. For a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this hyper-neutral gin. He's just not in the show for yeah. seasons. INB1. Yeah. yeah, very, very invisible. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I think that I mean obviously there's I mean the thing that this episode makes me think of is like the entire rest of the Azula May Tylee storyline, but mm -hmm. no, nothing like specifically jumps out that we haven't already talked about. Obviously, boiling rock stuff is set up here, which is amazing. 
Um, and yeah, just like getting ready to see visions of Toph next week and mm-hmm. eventually getting Aang's earthbending teacher, which is exciting. For sure. I mean, yeah, I talked about this episode having hints of horror to it, but I feel like the swamp is it's like to me the swamp and puppet master are like the scare like the horror episodes of the show if you're gonna pick some um so i'm very excited to get into that as we enter into the season of halloween true october is here uh and i yeah i i i i, I don't really remember it being that much of a horror i know there's like ghosts and visions but i'm excited right. to see what you're talking about with the horror elements i would say i mean it's like horror as horror as you will get from the show i mean puppet master i feel like is maybe a little yeah. more so of the two but it's yeah horror like are, are you gonna get to puppet master by halloween season no Absolutely definitely not, not. <laughs> no <laughs> just the swamp yeah sure sure um that would be nice though puppet master is dope and would love to talk about it as um, an iconic piece of horror cinema yeah, I would love to talk about late, uh, the Lady in Red episode. The um, Painted uh, Lady. Painted Lady, yeah. Painted Lady, sorry. Also Painted lots lady. of spirits in that one, too. Yeah. Or at least one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, is that our concluding thoughts? Uh, thank you to our um, people who sent in mail, by the way. Yeah, that was, these were great messages. Um, we should plug again and then. We can talk, we can, I I didn't even hear this about Drag Race. We can talk about it after we do our plugs in case people don't want to hear spoilers for All-Stars 6. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> Just are you super invested in All-Star season, All-Stars 6 of RuPaul's Drag Race? Do you need to vacate the premises before we do that? Unfortunately, I haven't watched that much of Drag Race at all. Okay, so you won't give a hoot if we no, spoil this. No, this isn't, I'm just listening. I'm a purveyor of you're practicing yeah. neutral gin in this yeah. situation yes observing observing yes. Fi- seeing before you make any moves uh yeah. j- well just will you remind people where they can follow you just in, uh in case uh sure thing if you didn't get that follow bug last time you can follow me at just lunning on instagram and at cool space cadet on twitter nice at sam stanish everywhere except tiktok where i'm at samuel stanish <laughs> uh and i have my other podcast word on the straits straight spelled str8s yep. uh and i'm brain Dirks on twitter and <laughs> sorry people are dabbing in the chat uh <laughs> uh yeah i'm rain Dirks at twitter or on twitter and you can find us at bridgerters pod on twitter and instagram sweet um okay so what is oh yeah okay i didn't even hear this uh but michael who i'm assuming is michael uh, who's been on this podcast said uh not related to the episode but what are y'all's thoughts on drag race implementing redemption island for all-star six also who will you be rooting for and why is it serena cha-cha i have not had my ear to the ground on the spoilers currently so i don't know what he's talking about with the redemption island what is the t derek i think there's this rumor that there's essentially going to be like a redemption island idea of like queens are going to be lip syncing every week to stay in as if it, so maybe there's going to be two lip syncs per episode i don't know but i feel like that's just a rumor i don't know if that's confirmed like that's the thing that's happening it would be mm-hmm. interesting um i don't know i mean, I mean they, they always yeah 
it sounds good to me um i mean i think that i what i've what i saw i've never watched top chef but the way they do their redemption island is they have it as a digital extra not in the episode which i think is the right way to do this sort of thing but i guess with drag race they have an hour and a half maybe two hours to fill so like maybe it won't be that bad or it could be Um, untucked i think is what i like was hearing like maybe hmm. the idea of like they'll do it in the untucked segment yeah, Could be good. Yeah, um, I, they have a lot of time. Uh, as far as rooting interests go, I think that Jiggly Caliente should win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I love Jiggly. Um, Serena Cha Cha, like, wow, Whoa, she's back, baby. <laughs> um, uh, as far as like who I'm rooting for, I don't, I don't know, honestly. This also, cast won't this start airing in like march or april like i feel like yeah. it's so far away from now that like i i feel like i won't even start thinking about it for a couple yeah. months but i feel like if i'm remembering the rumored cast correctly i think akiria chanel davenport is on there so i think that's yeah. who i would want to win ideally and i feel like anyone else i'm like okay you're there i guess that's about how i feel about every all-stars cast since two i'm like oh this is the group okay <laughs> There's room for everybody. Let's just say that. Yeah, let's um, just say that. <laughs> just thank you for sticking with us during yes. the little thing at the end here. But this was a great episode. Just thank you for being on. We had a great time. Uh, this uh, was amazing. It was. Thank you thank for you. having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining us. Sorry for, I swear your eyes just glazed over for the last <laughs> five minutes as we <laughs> talked around it. Listen, just because the topic isn't for me doesn't mean it's not a good topic. I mean, in this situation, I don't know if that's true. If only <laughs> everyone could be as wise as just in that opinion. Just like, you know, if something's not for you, that's okay. Uh, yeah, don't but, yuck anyone's yums. That's the official stance <laughs> of the bitter thirds. I Well, I feel oh. like if you are yucking yum as a bitter juror to a finalist in a, in a game of Survivor, like, that is our go-to thing but otherwise sure okay. uh, <laughs> i i'm excited for next week with the swamp and mm-hmm. that's my final thought same here so excited uh thank you again just uh for joining us bye uh, of course. Yeah. bye, bye.